This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of The Law School Show. I'm your host, Kelly Humber, and today I'm here with Professor Jamie Liu. She's an associate professor at the University of Ottawa Faculty of Law. She is also a practicing immigration and refugee lawyer and is a member of the litigation committee for the Canadian Council of Refugees. In addition to all of this, she is the host of her new podcast called Migration Conversations, and that is part of what we'll be talking about on today's episode. So how are you doing, Professor Liu? Thanks for having me, Kelly. It's so nice to meet a new first-year incoming student. Yes, I'm uh, very excited to be starting law school. Um, and I'm actually looking forward uh, quite a bit to talking with you about immigration refugee law since um, it's actually an interest that led me to law school. Um, so I guess we'll start off with just talking about your podcast, uh, the podcast topic, podcast name, migration conversations, what kind of brought you to um, starting this podcast? Well, Kelly, as you know, the pandemic has really affected the way in which we live now. And part of that is the challenges it poses to those of us that are teaching law in the next academic year. And um, both uh, Carleton University and the University of Ottawa had um, made a call for grant proposals on innovative projects related to uh, bringing online material to the classroom. And a group of us applied. And uh, out of that project, I had thought, what are some of the ways in which we can teach immigration law differently than we did in the past? And, you know, kind of look at it as an opportunity rather than something that just tries to do the same thing that we've done in an in-person classroom. And one of the things that I had thought about was that it's always been a challenge to bring the voices of those most affected by the law to the classroom for a number of reasons. First, they might not be in the locale that uh, our students are in. Uh, secondly, that universities and you know academic institutions are not always friendly or um, safe places for um, migrants or persons who um, may want to uh, feel comfortable when they're talking about the implications of law in their lives. Um, and finally, I think it's not always easy to talk to a large group of people face to face. So, you know, the podcast provides an opportunity to provide a more comfortable way for people to share their story, um, to advocate for certain changes, um, and to express themselves in ways that might not be accessible or safe for them. Um, in an in-person setting. So in some ways, this podcast is born out of an opportunity out of the pandemic, but I think it's also a great project to remind students of the importance of looking beyond the style of cause in the name of a case and to remember that the law uh, affects people and that the things that we study have real life and implications. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I actually was also wondering if you had any challenges that you faced even in the podcasting setting of interviewing with people and interviewing your guests? So one of the goals of the podcast was not to put anybody at risk. Um, and you'll see from the episodes mm -hmm. that we have so far, 
that most of our guests are former migrants or former, um, you know, the, their status is is different than it was uh, previously, but that they have that lived experience from what it felt like to experience various dimensions of immigration uh, refugee law. So I think, you know, for us, it was really important to ensure that we're not putting anyone at risk. We do conduct an ethics assessment to ensure that we're not putting anybody at risk. And part of that also is to remember that these people are involved in an exchange of information. And so to recognize that, we also are um, giving each guest an honorarium uh, to recognize the time and the labor in which it is, you know, in which they're participating in this podcast. Interesting. More to also your point that you were saying before about the lived experiences of your guests. What I found really powerful about your podcast was that you're creating a platform for migrants to share their personal narratives. Um, and I thought what was interesting is that some actually comment on how the process of them sharing their migration story is really empowering for them. Um, but for others, you know, they, for them to share their story, it's not able to happen publicly as far as like with their actual identity attached, because they're still in a situation where they feel like they need to be protecting their identity when talking about that. So I was wondering if you could maybe speak to kind of that experience as well. Yeah. So there's two aspects to this. The first is that, you know, the podcast really aims at, um, giving priority to the voices of migrants or those that experience the law firsthand. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, um, I would say, research, podcasts even, um, you know, um, and outlets where you hear from experts, where you hear from people like me, academics. And I think those are amazing resources. But one of the things that I felt was a gap in the teaching material that I wanted to provide in this context was to hear directly from the people that experience it, and to hear how they express it. The other aspect to this is that I want students to start to understand what a big part of listening is um, in the life of a lawyer, that, you know, a lot of us are trained in law school to persuade, to use our writing and speaking and other advocacy skills. But I think one of the things that sometimes, you know, we don't pay as much attention to is to learn to listen and to also learn how to hear different stories and to give time and be patient with that. Uh, you know, I'm, one of the things I'm really proud of in this podcast is um, featuring a lot of racialized persons that have experienced the law in, I would say, very negative ways. And hearing their voices directly reminds us of where they come from, where they're socially, um, culturally, you know, situated. Um, hearing their voices directly, understanding um, perhaps the ways in which they use the English language, their accents. I think that all of that is something that I learned after law school. And I really want to expose law students to this kind of lesson of how do we listen? How do we attend to and care about the stories um, of our clients? Yeah, I think as an incoming law student, I think that is also really interesting to kind of really point out how some of the characteristics that you kind of envision a law school student and a lawyer having, um, there's actually maybe more to the toolkit that we should really be thinking about incorporating um, when we're going into like going through the law school process, but also entering into the field. Um, we could maybe 
now pivot to talk a little bit more broadly about some of the work that exists in the field. Um, and maybe you could kind of go over some of the topics that your podcast does touch on so far in the episodes that are out and kind of where it'll go in the future um, as far as immigration topics. Yeah, I think one of the things that the podcast is really great at pointing out as well is the myriad of ways in which you can engage with immigration, migration, citizenship law in Canada. Many of uh, the first person accounts by the guests that have uh, so far been profiled on the podcast talk about the support that they've received from grassroots organizations. And so I think it is important to highlight the fact that there are a lot of advocacy activists and grassroots organizations that law students can already be a part of to help um, people who are subject to the negative aspects of law. Uh, for example, you know, some of the new episodes that have been released recently feature former uh, temporary migrant workers. And we hear um, from those migrant workers about their connection to, for example, Migrante Ottawa, an organization that supports Filipino migrant workers. Also from Justice for Migrant Workers um, and various other organizations. Um, the, the first podcast episode on statelessness um, that individual was supported by a grassroots organization in Malaysia called Lawyers for Liberty and uh, a number of others. So, you know, one of the things that this podcast features is, you know, the amazing on the ground support and work that many individuals are a part of and that law students can start to explore as they're exploring their legal path. Um, part of the podcast also features um, my conversation with lawyers um, in the field who have deep experience and expertise on a particular subject matter. But also, um, you know, my future episodes will also feature uh, public servants. Uh, for example, uh, the former uh, um, uh, ambassador to Jordan, who was also the architect, one of the architects of the refugee resettlement program. Um, I also talked to... Um, a settlement worker, so someone who actually assists lawyers. And so the other aspect to this is I want students to understand that their role is just one role in the life of a migrant and supporting them to obtain uh, immigration status or to resolve an issue that they have with the law, and that they will be working in a team of people, typically, especially in this area of law. Um, and so most of these people that I speak with during the podcast this season are people that I personally worked with or am connected to um, and feel that they are essential to uh, the success of any outcome on a file or um, a situation that we're, we're helping someone with. Yeah, that really, um, that sounds promising as far as giving a real breadth of uh, expertise in the area, um, in addition to like the expertise that migrants themselves bring. Um, since even through the first couple episodes I've listened to, you can really get a sense that um, by going through the process um, that is often quite lengthy, um, they themselves learn, they know a lot about their own experience and they learn a lot about the system from within, which is quite eye-opening to listen to. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And I, that's an important point, Kelly, because I think in a important point I wanted to raise through the podcast as well is to um, let people know that migrants themselves are resilient, that they are 
smart, they are resourceful, um, that they are human, just like us, that they have children, that they eat dinner like the rest of us. Um, but at the same time, that there are things out of their control, structural barriers, um, barriers constructed through our legal system that uh, affect them deeply and in harmful ways. Um, but also to recognize that we as lawyers and as law students um, have limitations and that we alone are not, you know, uh, I would say, you know, one of the things I hope students and others get from this is that, is that we're not saviors, we're not the end-all be-all, um, but we're there to support and to assist um, people making choices and advocating for themselves and that we're just one um, person on a team, you know, that other people might have expertise in other areas related to a particular migrant situation. Um, and and for, for lawyers to, and law students to be humble and to remember that while we're in a privileged profession and in a position to assist people, that we are not always the ones that know best, but that we're there to provide the options and to let our clients and persons we're assisting make that ultimate choice in an in informed, um, but professional choice, right? Um, and so just, you know, to remind, it's always a reminder um, that to be humble and to, to uh, remember where our instructions come from, so to speak. Yeah, which, again, are also terms that um, maybe not a lot of first year law students or people new to the profession or people from the outside looking at the profession wouldn't necessarily say, you know, humility and support are kind of key to the role of a lawyer, um, which I think is really interesting um, to be giving a platform to that kind of more nuanced idea of what it means to be a lawyer. Yeah, I think as well that um, one of the things that I hope to also do maybe in a future season of the podcast is to talk about how um, this area of law is very hard to practice in for a number of reasons. Um, you're dealing with very traumatized sometimes uh, persons. You may be dealing with very upsetting situations. You will be hearing stories that are very disturbing. Um, and one of the things that people have to attend to is how do you manage uh, the emotional um, you know, uh, the emotions that come in practicing this, you know, and so one of the things that I do cover in this course is trauma-informed lawyering and um, exploring that, and, you know, in this podcast hopefully will set the stage for students in my class to realize why it is important to have this kind of uh, training and and understanding and also how to take care of yourself because it is not an easy area of law to practice in um, and one that is not for the faint of heart, I would say. So, you know, in some ways, this podcast will also allow students to explore whether they really do want to deal with this these kinds of issues, these kinds of stories, these kinds of subject matter over uh, in the course of their career on a daily basis, right? So it helps to expose I hope, uh, students earlier on to the kinds of things that they might be experiencing in their practice. Do you have any, I suppose, tips uh, or suggestions that you would kind of give to 
students interested in that field, even people beyond the law school who are involved in that sort of career, who maybe um, aren't at a level where they're getting that sort of training in their education? Yeah, I would say in immigration refugee law, there is uh, always plenty of work. Um, But I think what's important is to be humble and to um, get involved in the multitude of organizations that are out there. Um, There is no end to the kinds of resources or tasks that need to be attended to. I even remember students um, in, you know, the local Canadian Association of Refugee Lawyers chapter here in Ottawa doing things like fundraising through bake sales because things cost money. Um, They do, you know, lobby days. You know, these are things that are not necessarily tied directly to the learning of law or how to be a lawyer, but they are important uh, lessons in terms of, you know, what are the legal structures in place that we have to work with? What are the barriers that people have in accessing different resources such as legal counsel, such as other resources that might be needed, uh, such as access to a member of parliament who could push a file further or who could um, voice a concern in a proper venue like a standing committee or in parliament or in even in a cabinet meeting. So I think, you know, law students are fortuitous at a time like this because there are many ways to get involved as a student. And I would say, you know, find a place where you feel at home, find a place where you find uh, kinship amongst uh, the people that you're working with um, and be open-minded and humble and and kind while you're doing this work. And to recognize that sometimes being a lawyer doesn't mean you're always doing the lawyering work, i.e. the drafting, the attending court, uh, the speaking aspect of it, but that sometimes you're doing a lot of behind the scenes. And especially in immigration law, I think one of the things that I try to impart on students is that you do a lot more um, solicitor work than barrister work, which means you do a lot more paperwork than uh, court work. Um, And a lot of our work is attending to the details and doing that kind of nitty gritty uh, form work, which is so important to the people that we're servicing. But sometimes can be a little bit tedious and boring for us, but nevertheless, still significant. Um, So I I would say, you know, volunteer with lawyers, volunteer with organizations. I say if you're volunteering with lawyers, though, they should be able to give you some sort of remuneration or credit. So also understand your worth, understand your value, uh, ensure that you're getting, you know, either course credit or directed research credits or something from the work you're doing with lawyers or organizations, but that if you're working with a grassroots organization, recognize the limitations and barriers that they have and don't be afraid to give back in any way that they need support. Excellent. Yeah, that's a very helpful kind of broad information about the whole field. Um, I wonder if now, um, kind of now that we're getting towards the end of the podcast, we could talk a little bit about how COVID um, is impacting your work, but also how COVID is impacting the whole um, environment of immigration and refugee law. Some of the bigger things that maybe people who aren't in the field would have heard about is, right, we have an understanding that there's a border closure. We have understanding that maybe international students are having difficult access 
to come to Canada if they're even able to. Um, and of course, the prevalence of COVID outbreaks on migrant worker farms um, and just kind of how all of that has kind of changed now that, or hasn't changed with COVID. Uh, I would say the pandemic has made some significant uh, changes to the way in which immigration refugee law is uh, felt on the ground, I would say. Uh, you're right, there are partial border closures. Um, and uh, there have been so many changes over the course of the months, and there will be continual changes um, through the way in which people can uh, enter or leave Canada. Um, I would say that, you know, in a nutshell, the changes that have come through the pandemic have been felt most by the most marginalized and vulnerable people on the ground. And in terms of immigration and refugee law, we see that in the news through the ways in which migrant workers are not only um, exposed to COVID-19, but how they are also being blamed for some of the outbreaks in various locations, uh, unfairly so. Um, I mean, the outbreaks and the spread of COVID-19 amongst these populations are not due to the migrants themselves or where they come from, but mainly due to um, uh, the structural environments in which they are forced to work in. They have to live in close quarters, work in close quarters, work in conditions that might not be safe or ideal under a pandemic, uh, may not be meeting health and safety concerns. Um, and I think the pandemic has really shone a spotlight on problems that existed before. So these are not new things that existed or that have been created as a result of the pandemic, but really have been there before, but been exacerbated or become more problematic as a result of the pandemic. Um, you know, an issue close to my heart is, you know, the increase in the anti-racism or the anti-Asian racism issue, uh, there's a lot more racism and violence against persons of Asian descent. Um, and I think, you know, that is in relation to, you know, our long historical record about how we view uh, foreigners or people coming from other places immigrating to Canada, the kinds of discourse and rhetoric and policy rationales in our immigration system has really fueled um, ideas about who is an other, who is a stranger, who is a foreigner, who's an illegal. Um, so, you know, all of these things, you know, are things that I hope to address or at least interrogate through the podcast as well um, and, and have students think hard about how does law, how does policy shape the way we think about other people, how we behave towards other people, how we make decisions about um, what we do um, in times of crisis, like in a pandemic. Um, <laughs> this itself could be a whole podcast episode, I would say. Um, but you're right. I think, um, you know, the pandemic raises a lot of interesting issues, but alarming issues about um, how, uh, how it exposes the most marginalized and vulnerable in our society. And I would recommend also, you know, the Public Law Center and the Center for Health and Center for Health Law at the University of Ottawa has just uh, issued an open access book called Vulnerable. And there's a multitude of chapters on um, policy and lawmaking in regards to the pandemic. And there's a few chapters in there that address how the most vulnerable and uh, are, are um, now experiencing um, 
the most harsh consequences or outcomes as a result of some of the measures taken during the pandemic. Thank you. That is, I think, going to be great um, to be listening to your podcast in the episodes to come. Yeah, and if I could just add one thing, if other people have ideas about issues I should talk about or um, persons I should talk to, I do prioritize um, guests who are racialized, who have directly experienced um, the law firsthand and their migration story. So if listeners have ideas or know somebody who would be interested, you know, please feel free to get in touch with me. Great. Thank you. Uh, how would you prefer that they get in touch? You can reach me on my email at jamie.liu at uottawa.ca. Um, so I look forward to hearing from people about not only ideas, but what they think of the podcast too. Amazing. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Kelly. It was a pleasure meeting with you and talking with you. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and now on Spotify, or on our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter for the latest updates. Human stories, new legal topics, and career-advancing advice right to your earbuds. Catch it all here, next time on The Law School Show.